We welcome you, all those who are watching online, wherever you're watching from around here local, or if you're watching from around the world, we're so glad you've taken time to join us. Uh, I saw a picture last night of somebody watching in a different country. They showed a picture and posted it on, on social media where they were watching our service from a different country. So wherever you're watching it from, we invite you when you're in town, come in, be our guest. We'd love to have you and get a chance to meet you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. How many are ready for Christmas? Come on, say amen. I'm ready for Christmas. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for Christmas yet? How many's got your shopping done? Raise your hand if you got your shopping done. Everybody's raising their hand, look at them and say, I don't like you. Come on now. If you get all your shopping done now, what are you going to do on Christmas Eve, right? That's the way I kind of look at it. Um, you know, we, we hear the thought, the miracle of Christmas. That's, that's a word used a lot for Christmas time. And as I was thinking this week about the miracle of Christmas, I'm not going to talk today about the miracle of Christmas, but I do want to talk to you about miracles and, and ask you the question, do, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle in your life? And how do you, I'm going to answer the question, how do, does God still do miracles today? How do we receive a miracle? How do I help somebody with a miracle as well? Let, let me give you this definition. A miracle is a divine encounter that has positive and unexplainable results. That you say, this couldn't have happened except God. There's no way this bill would have been paid except God. There's no way my child would have left the hospital except God. There's no way my marriage would have made it except God. There's no way I would have gotten a promotion except God. There's no way my car would have lasted as long as it did except God. I mean, we have all things that we can look at and see what God's divine hand is at work in our life. And if you don't know this today, let me be the First one to tell you, our God is still a miracle-working God. Can I get an amen in the house? Amen? God still is a God of miracles, and God still wants to perform miracles for his children. He still wants to let his sovereignty be shared with the world, but he's got to have agents, that's you and I, who can believe and ask and believe that God still does these miracles. When Jesus was here on earth, he performed several miracles, and before he left, he began to teach his disciples about these miracles as well. He wanted each one to know this. In John 14, 12, look what Jesus tells his disciples. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And then he says, even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. Let's say that together. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so the Son of Man can bring glory to the Father. So can, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We need to practice asking God for the things we have need of in our life. Many of us are intimidated or we don't believe it. We've let fear dominate us. We let doubt dominate us. And we just learn to carry things, heavy burdens, problems we've carried around for a long time, that God wants to work miraculously in your life, that he longs to do this for his children, but we simply don't ask. Matter of fact, Jesus' brother wrote in one of the scriptures, he said, you have not because you ask not. And we've got to learn to be more disciplined in asking for the things we have need of. The Bible says that we can boldly approach the Lord, that we can boldly come to him with our needs. We can boldly come to his throne of grace. Our children come to us boldly, don't they? They don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning. They'll barge in your room. Dad, mom, 
They come to you. They'll ask you. They don't care if you're in the store. You can be broke. You don't have anything. <laughs> but they can be, they, they, they're still going to ask, can I have this? Uh, they're bold in their asking. Why? Because you're, you're the parent and they know they can boldly ask you. You may say no, but they're going to ask anyway because they know eventually you're going to say yes. Our, our children never have a problem asking us, do they? Even if we say no, they, they don't have a problem continually asking us for the things they want. If it was something I really needed, then the confidence level goes up, right? If it's something I really need in my life, then my confidence level goes up. Dad, I really need this because school, right? I'm not going to graduate without it. I can't get through it. Dad, I, I got to have it. I'm on, I made the team. And so if I don't get this, I can't be a part of the team. All right, you know. We, we, we do things at a higher level when there's a higher need. But do you even realize that sometimes kids aren't even afraid to ask for the small things? Even, even if they know, we're probably going to say no. They're not afraid to ask us. And we've got to have that same kind of, of confidence coming to the Lord that we learn to ask him for what we need. We can ask and you can have confidence in knowing that if I ask the Lord and it's going to bring glory to the Lord, he will, he wants to do a miraculous thing in my life. Someone say amen. God wants to show out in your life. He wants your friends and your neighbors, your family. He wants you to know he's still the miraculous working God. And he wants to use your life for a testimony that bring glory to all those who are watching. My job is to ask. And then my job is to trust, right? I trust. I ask of the Lord and I have faith he can say yes and he can do this. But even if he chooses to say not now, my faith still remains, remains high knowing that he's got a different plan. He's got a different way. He's working this out and I've got to learn to trust him. Either way, my asking level, my faith level is high. In Mark chapter two, look at this now. I'll get to our story today. Two, one, when, when Jesus returned to Camperdam, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back in town. Jesus was back home. And what had happened is Jesus had been there earlier teaching he had done some great teaching. He began to develop a, a following as he's teaching. But as he leaves, he goes out. He starts performing his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. And he starts doing miracles. People are getting healed. And then he returns back. Now the word is spread. He's just not a great teacher. But now the miraculous is flowing through him. He's doing miracles. And so where he did have a group of people showing up at a home to hear him teach, now people are packing out the place. People are showing up and they can't, they can't keep the crowds there. People are starting to figure out there's something about this Jesus. That's, he's a miraculous working God. Let's pick it up now in verses 2 through 5. As soon as the house they were in, they were, staying, were so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even the outside of the, outside of the doorway while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. So we have four friends who know that Jesus is doing miracles and they're like, our, our friend needs a miracle, we're gonna get him to Jesus. And they have faith, and they begin to activate that faith. They go pick him up. They carry him. They transport him. 
They get him to Jesus, and when they get there, the thing is all full. Isn't that just like things that happen? We got a plan. We get there. All of a sudden, the house is full. The yard is full. The doorway's full. There's no way to get this man who really needs to be in front of Jesus. We got to get our friend to Jesus, and now everything is full. Number one, write this down. What seems like a missed opportunity is often a setup. It's a perfect setup for the miraculous. Let's read it again. What seems like a missed opportunity is often the perfect setup for the miraculous. We often view closed doors as a missed miracle. But that's a mistake. Just because one door closes doesn't mean God doesn't have a better door open for you in the future. And you got to stop letting closed doors bring doubt and fear into your mind and say, God, I'm going to believe you're still the miracle working God. If one door closes, that means you've got a better door waiting for me in the future. My trust is in you. Stop letting too many people give up the first time a door closes, the first time you get a bad report, the first time you don't get the answer that you prayed for. We want to give up, and God, why have you forsaken me? God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And God's already answered your prayer in the future if you'll just trust him, believe him, and believe that, God, you can open up a better door that operates and sets off an element of faith in your life that allows you to walk at a high level of faith, even when one door closes, you know there must be another door. Someone say amen. But oftentimes, closed doors just means that God's got a different plan. Can you imagine this scene? What do we do now? We've carried him. We told him Jesus is here. We want to get Jesus to pray for him. We get to the house, and we can't even get to the door because there's so many people. And all of a sudden, one of the friends says, I've got an idea. How about we take him up to the top of the roof? How many know that we've all got that one crazy friend? Let's go, let's dig a hole in the roof and lower him down in the middle. I mean, we've all got that one crazy friend that always is thinking outside the box. And if you let them, they'll always come up with some kind of crazy idea. Uh, we got to have this, though. I want you to know, I hope that we can develop relationships that when I feel like giving up, there's a friend that says, hang on, there's another door opening for you in the future. I hope God lets me be the kind of friend that I can speak to people who are on their paralyzed bed, and I can say, all right, it didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen, but how about we just go to the top of the roof, and we look for another answer, and we look to God to get to God another way. Some of us need some crazy friends in our life who don't give up on us when we want to give up on ourselves. We need some crazy friends who will push us to believe God for the miraculous. We need some crazy friends that when we can't get to Jesus by ourselves, they will carry us to Jesus. Are you that kind of friend today? We need to be that kind of friend. I remember 10 years ago, a friend of mine who is now on staff and Jerry and Jan are great leaders here at our church, and they were friends of ours. They had moved here. They had attended the church 
uh, in a town I was raised in. They were going to church at a church that my parents were on staff at. So when they moved here and relocated this area, we were able to connect and we automatically had a good bond and, and we were able to relate as friends. And I remember 10 years ago, long before our church administrator, Jana, was ever on staff, she was just attending our church. And But we had developed a bond. We were friends. And well, he got in a call and they got a call to my wife and said, we need to go to the hospital that Jana had just gotten bad results from a test and come to find out what she thought was something else ended up being totally opposite and her whole inside of her body was ate up with cancer they had just looked at her and had hundreds of tumors inside of her and it was not looking good and so we were going to the hospital to bring encouragement now I know a lot of you today may think pastors have all the answers but let me tell you we don't have all the answers we just know the God who has all the answers and on the way to the hospital I didn't say, now, what did they teach me in college about this? And I didn't do that. What I did do is this, God, my friend needs an answer. God, my friend needs a touch of you. And I can't just walk in with a smile. I've got to walk in hearing from you. God, she needs something from me today. And so on the way there, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I want you to go in and I want you to get in her face and I want you to tell her I put the spirit of a fighter in her and she's going to fight through this and God's going to bring us through this, that she's going to be strong. So I had an assignment. I'm driving to the hospital. My wife's with me. We get to the hospital, and there's people out in the, in the hallway and packed in the room. How many remember a time when you could actually visit somebody in the hospital? It was a great thing. They used to let us in the hospital rooms, right? And so I would go into the hospital, and so I'm thinking, oh, God, you give me this, this strong word for Jana. i got to walk in here. But the hallway's full of people. I walk into a room. Her family's all in the room. But I'm saying, you know what? I got, I got a word from the Lord. I got to get to Jana. And so I, I do smiles and polite highs, but I make eye contact with Jana. And as soon as I lock eyes, tears begin to flow down her face. And she couldn't get anything out. And I got right up and I pushed people to the side. And I got right up on her bed. Can you believe this? Right on her bed. I got right on her bed and got right here nose to nose. I said, girl, God told me to tell you, you are a fighter and you're going to fight through this. And God's going to bring you out of this at the time she didn't feel like it I can tell you that but sometimes you gotta have a friend that gets in there with you and gets in the mess and says you can fight through this God's gonna see you through this don't give up it's okay it's okay God's got a different plan write this down find friends number two find friends find some friends who will contend for your miracle Find some friends who will contend for your miracle. Well, Pastor did a work, but she's still alive today. I can tell you that right now. She just had a test a few months ago, still cancer-free. Ten years later, God's a miracle-working God. I can tell you my mom had nine months to live when I was 10 years old. It was prophesied that she would live to see her grandchildren. And she's lived to see her grandchildren. She's still alive today. God is still a miracle-working God. God can still do miracles. Find yourself some friends who will contend for your miracle. It's all right to have some friends who you can laugh with. It's all right to have some friends that you can go out and have a good time with. But everybody needs some friends that when life throws you a curveball and you need a desperate answer, that they'll get into the with you and say, you know what? I'm not going to let you give up. If I got to carry you to Jesus, I'll carry you to Jesus. If I got to fast for you, I'll fast for you. If I got to pray for you, I'll pray for you. If I got to cry for you, I'll cry for you. But you're not giving up. 
We're going to believe God for your miracle. Are you that kind of friend today? You need to be somebody's friend today who believes in a miracle. I mean, the crazy guy tore a hole in the roof. What was he doing? He's saying this. Hey, we're about to do this. There's witnesses. People saw us climbing up here. They're outside. People on the inside, they're going to look up. They're going to see our faces. They're going to know it's us. So we're taking financial responsibility for our faith today. They had to step up and say, even though we're, we're tearing a hole in the roof, we got it covered. We'll take care of this. We'll patch it back ourselves. We'll pay to have it repaired. Can you imagine Jesus in there teaching and all of a sudden the breeze starts falling and people start looking up and the light starts coming through the ceiling of the roof in the middle of Jesus' teaching. Do you think Jesus was surprised? No, I believe Jesus knew all along these guys are going to be bringing their paralyzed friend. Matter of fact, I think he told people, tell the world, tell people to get here. Tell them to fill the house. I, I want it so full they can't get in here. I want to see faith in action. I want these people to see faith in action. I believe Jesus wanted the house full. I believe he wanted to show out God's power, miraculous power in front of all those people. And he wanted to see some crazy faith in action. Can you imagine? Are you the type of friend that will fight for a miracle for your friend? Then what happens in verse 6 through 10? Look what it says now. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there, we call them Pharisees, they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them a question. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. These Pharisees couldn't accept that Jesus had the power to forgive sins. Why? Because they were taught a different way. You had to follow all this long list of religious rules that you had to go through. You had to take the sacrifice and take it to the high priest, go through ceremony cleansing. I mean, it was a long, taught out thing to receive, receive your right standing before God, to have your sins forgiven. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at a man and says, sir, your sins are forgiven. That blew them away because they, could, they, they were taught just the opposite. They had never seen anybody have their sins forgiven just by a, a person looking at them and saying, your sins are forgiven. And so this was blowing their mind. This is not the way they experienced forgiveness. It's not the way they taught it. They've been taught so much different. Write this down, number three. Don't let someone else's experience keep you from experiencing the miraculous. Don't let someone else's experience keep you from experiencing your miracle. Sometimes in our life, we need a miracle, and too many people will tell you, well, I went through this. You're just going to have to deal with it. I went through this. You better go ahead and prepare yourself for the worst. I went through this. You're just going to have to accept it. Well, God can heal. I don't know. I don't Listen, just because God didn't do it for them doesn't mean God can't do it for you. And just because somebody else didn't experience their miracle doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to experience that miracle. you got to let faith arise in your heart. Just because God didn't do it for somebody else doesn't mean he won't do it for you. Just because your friend has never seen a miracle, doesn't, don't let that stop you from experiencing your miracle. 
You may have never seen God heal, but I have. You may have never seen a marriage restored, but I have. You may have never seen a financial miracle, but I have. You may have never seen spiritually lost children coming back home, but I have. You may have never seen hard-hearted people come and submit their life to Christ, I have. You may have never seen people full of addiction come and be delivered and give their heart to God. I've seen it. God is still the miracle-working God. Jesus said, ask for it, and I will do it. Ask for anything in my name. See, this is what needs to happen. Let me write this down. This is good. Sometimes we need to dig a hole in our own roof. Sometimes we got to stop waiting for a friend, and we, we need to be that friend, and we all need those kind of friends, but there's sometimes you don't need to wait for somebody else to start digging to get to Jesus. You need to start clawing your way to Jesus however I can get there. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't wait for anybody to take her to Jesus. She pressed through the crowd. She crawled through the crowd. She said, if I could just get a hold of the hem of his garment, if I can, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. She didn't wait for somebody else to take her to Jesus. She crawled her way to Jesus. Sometimes you just got to dig your own hole. Sometimes you got to do your own thing. God, I'm finding out who you are. God, I'm going after you in my life. God, I'm going after you in my life. Don't wait. God is still the miracle-working God. So how does the rest of the story go, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's read it. Verses 10 through 12. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped right up. He grabbed his mat. He walked out through the stunned onlookers. You think? Yeah. And they were all amazed and praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. God wanted to do a miracle in the midst of those, that crowd, and he performed a miracle. Can you imagine his friends? They go up to the top of the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They dig a hole, get it all out. They lower him down in front of Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, sir, your sins are forgiven. Then he commands him, get up. Take up your mat and go home. And the guy gets right up. The same guy who's never walked before gets right up, rolls up his mat and carries his mat and leaves throughout the crowd. And everybody's like, what are we, what just happened? Can you imagine the shock? Yeah, they were in shock. They were in awe that God had the authority to do that. And I can imagine those guys upstairs that had fought their way to the roof who had carried this man and thought about giving up, except for the one crazy friend said, hey, let's go to the roof and dig a hole. And they get up there and they're digging the hole and they're lowering it down, thinking they're going to get chastised. We're going to be in trouble. But instead, Jesus heals this man. He gets up, carries his mat, and the boys up in the roof are watching this and they're seeing it all unfold. Can you imagine what happened? I believe this is where... The great songwriter Lionel Richie got his inspiration. Oh, what a feeling. They were dancing on the ceiling. I believe those guys began to dance on the ceiling saying, yes, our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. Our God is up there wonderful. Our God heals. Today, you got to realize God wants to do the miraculous in your life. See, this is the last point I want to give you. Number four, everyday miracles. They allow people to see Jesus for who he really is, for you and for those watching you. So that's why we ask. So I can say, I, I wouldn't be here 
without Jesus' miraculous power. My marriage wouldn't have made it without Jesus' miraculous power. I would have never gotten through that layoff except for Jesus' miraculous power. I would never would have been healed except for Jesus' miraculous power. I never would have seen my children come back to the Lord except for Jesus' miraculous power. It's a miracle that God wants to do. Small miracles, medium-sized miracles, big miracles. He wants to do miracles every day for us so that people can see Jesus at work in my life. He wants the world to see that he has dominion on earth and in heaven. He wants people to see that he has dominion over all things. So he wants his power to be manifested in your life. He wants you to have the power to pray in faith for a friend, for a family member, for a co-worker. He wants you to be able to speak in Jesus' name. Be healed. He wants you to speak in Jesus' name. Be full of peace. He wants you to speak that your marriage is going to survive and not and not go under. He wants you to speak to people's lives. He wants you to have this miracle working power alive in your life. The world needs to see Jesus working in your life. I should tell people how Jesus has changed my life. I should tell people how Jesus' power has changed my life. In two Sundays, we're going to be experiencing destiny, Christmas at Destiny. It's going to be an awesome day as we celebrate Christmas. But I can tell you this, that there's a lot of people who will come if you'll just invite them. There's a lot of people who are not in church right now. Maybe they've never been in church before. Maybe they've stopped coming because when church shut down, they got out of the habit and they haven't started coming back yet. Maybe they've never came to church before. For whatever the reason, there's people who will come who say no all year long, but because it's Christmas, will come to a Christmas presentation. So this is why we do it, not only to celebrate Christmas, but so that you can partner with us and you can go and say, come and see how Jesus can change your life. Come and experience the miracle of Christmas. Come and see Jesus and just invite people to come. And people who will be invited will give their heart to Jesus. Many people who will be in these services who need to give their heart back to Jesus will do this. Many people who have been away will get back in and realize, yeah, I need this more often in my life. It's a tool that God wants you to use. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to partner with us. So why don't you start asking people, saying, God, who can I bring to these services? God, who can I invite to these services to come and see the miraculous power of Jesus? I want to give you this this last story in closing. I have a friend who my wife and I went to school with his wife, and she married this man, and we met him. His name was Carl Hargestum. He was a missionary to Ethiopia. He was born and raised in Switzerland. Uh, he was a helicopter pilot. And he married Jennifer, our friend. She was the minister. He was just kind of learning that God had a call in his life. Didn't really know exactly what that looked like. But as he had his helicopter and his helicopter license, he began to go into unreached people groups. And he would, they would fly in. And they would go in and do little mini services for people and and go in and share the gospel. Places that had never, ever experienced the gospel. Remote villages. And one of the villages he was trying to get to was a village known for witchcraft and witch doctors. And uh, just a lot of demonic activity. And the gospel had never been shared there. God spoke to them to, to go there to share this gospel. 
And so they began to pray and prepare themselves to go. And as the word got out that they were going to be coming to this area, these witch doctors began to set up altars on the, on the hillside surrounding their village. And they made blood sacrifices there. And they sacrificed animals. And they prayed to their demonic gods saying, do not let this helicopter come here. Do not this man come here. Stop him. And he will tell you on the way there, they, they experienced a lot, a lot of hardship trying to get there. Almost crashed, did crash one time, had a leg that got ripped open, got infected. He's like, man, we had the hardest time getting to this village. But finally, they, they were able to get to the village. And as they fly over the top of this village, he said, we've seen the witch doctors out there. And they were out there and they were all just standing amazed because they said, we, we didn't think you could make it. We put out a curse on you not to make it here. And as he landed, they came to him. They, they told him, said, how'd you get here? You're just impossible. We put curses on you. You can't get here. And he got there and, and he got out. He said, but I came to share with you the love of God and share the gospel. And as he shared God's love and the gospel, he said, they listened, but they were very much afraid to respond. They were afraid of the chief of the village and they were afraid of the witch doctors. And as Carl said, I, I asked what, Where's your family at, Chief? I said, well, I have one daughter who's not out here. She's sick with leprosy. He goes, well, bring her to me. And he brought his daughter out to him, he said. And as he brought the daughter out to him, he said, leprosy had already begun to eat away at her face and her arm and her hands. She had chunks of flesh missing from her body. Where leprosy had already begun to eat away at it. He goes, is it all right if I pray for your, for my God, so you can see that he's the real God? Is it all right if I pray for your daughter? He said, yes, you, you can pray. So he put, I put my hands on this girl. Now I'm telling you this because I want you to know this is somebody who's been in my home. Several years ago, he actually preached at this church. I know this story to be 100% authenticity with integrity. I can trust everything I'm telling you, okay? Sometimes you read this and you go, I don't know if that really, I'm telling you, this really happened. I trust this guy with my life, the honesty of this story. God, because of this tribe would know that you are the real miracle working God. And there is only one God. I pray for healing for this daughter. And he said, in Jesus' name, I pray healing against this leprosy in Jesus' name. He says, as we prayed for her, right before everybody's eyes, all of her skin began to grow back. Flesh grew back. Places that were missing chunks of flesh automatically came where skin was missing. Skin grew back. He goes, right before our own eyes. He goes, I'd never, he goes, I'd never seen anything like that. I've seen God heal, but I'd never seen anything like that before. He goes, immediately the chief fell to the ground in his face and he got back up and he says, anybody who doesn't serve this man's God, we put to death. <laughs> he goes, chief, it doesn't work that way. But he, then he opened up and he shared the gospel and 100% of that village gave their heart to Jesus that day. And then campaigns opened up and then later on, Carl returned. The crowds as big as a half a million people coming and receiving the gospel and open air crusades as far as you can see seas and seas of people shoulder to shoulder across some of the biggest fields. It was amazing what God did in 15 to 20 years that he was there. I tell you that story just to build your faith. Sometimes it's a small thing. Sometimes it's just making that gas stretch out all week long because you didn't have money. You're like, God, if you don't help me out, I don't know how I'm going to get to work this week. And for whatever reason, that gas tank would usually would run out. It, it went on, the light was on E all week long and you made it through. He's like, that was a miracle. You know that, you know that. Sometimes God does amazing miracles where he heals a cancer and he 
heals leprosy. Sometimes he does miracles of restoring marriages. Sometimes he does miracles of softening hardened hearts and delivering the addicted. But I want you to know he is still the miracle working God and he wants to use you to do everyday miracles. He wants your life to be a testimony of everyday miracles. He wants your life to be a living testimony. He wants you to be a friend who will help people believe for their miracle as well. Who will you invite this Christmas season to come and experience the miracle of Christmas? I want you to bow your heads. As you bow your heads, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. This is where the first miracle is. First miracle is this. Can you give your life to Jesus? Surrender your life to Jesus. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to believe. I believe it today that he is the Lord of all. And I've never, I've never prayed this prayer, surrendering my life, but today I'm ready. If that's you, can you just raise your hand where I can see it? Say, it's me, Pastor. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just let me see it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else want to join these? Thank you as you raise your hand. If you haven't raised it, raise it right now. Let me know. Let me see. Yeah, thank you. Let's say this prayer. If you raised your hand, I want you to say it after me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along. If you're watching online today, say this prayer as well. If you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I surrender all of my life to you. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name if you prayed that prayer for the first time say welcome to the family of God come on give him a, give him a hand clap